Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. So just about three years ago, I stuck my hand up during a meeting with two of Charlie's other co-founders. And I said, I'm not okay. And in that moment, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people who understand the concept of emotional well-being, mental health, and more importantly, knew where to signpost me, knew how to support me. And over the last three years, I feel insanely fortunate to have been able to log off from Slack at 5pm every Monday and head to my weekly therapy session. And for me, that's been transformative and I'm a much happier, less anxious, more level human than I was three years ago. But I fear that therapy still sits in that bucket of things we don't really talk about, especially in the workplace. So today we want to talk about it. And more importantly, we want to understand what is the role of therapy in the workplace? And to help me unpack that question, I'm joined by Pip Richardson, founder of The Circle Line. Pip, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. How, um, how has, how's lockdown been for you interesting um pros and cons i've quite found it quite relaxing in some ways i quite enjoyed the uh, simpler life but um yeah it's, it's trying in other ways it's difficult for businesses right now yeah for sure so before we jump into it why don't you tell us a little bit about what the circle line actually does yeah okay so um we work with businesses to really help them thrive and be successful through psychology. So we use applied psychology um, to look at the way their culture develops um, and support every layer of the business from top down. Um, so we have the, a network of um, accredited therapists um, working with us and an online platform that delivers um, solutions online. Amazing. And, and you know, did... What was the genesis of the reason why you decided to to to, to start the business? You know, is it, is your own experience with mental health and therapy is that something that kind of drove you towards the idea behind the Circle Line? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's um, something I found really powerful in my life. Um, I'm now training to be a psychotherapist, so I've been in therapy for about three years now, and that has to keep going. Um, and it's something that yeah has changed my life for sure. Um, and when I started to think about it and read more about um, psychology and therapy and how it works and why it works, I just realised um, what an opportunity we're all missing, actually, um, and how I think the conversation needs to change. And so let, I guess let's start there. Let's start with the conversation, or lack of, I guess. You know, why do you think therapy is something that we struggle to talk about? 
Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And it's a problem we see in the UK, because actually, if you go over to the other side of the pond in New York or LA, everybody has a therapist. It's no big deal. It's just like having a personal trainer. I really hope that one day we'll get to that point. Um, But for the moment, I think it's a cultural issue. And I think it's um, steeped and wrapped in the stigma that has surrounded uh, what we now call mental health um, for decades, really. I think it's been a very um, misunderstood topic. Um, and one that we're really just starting to get to grips with and just see as part of being human, essentially. And do you think there's a difference between, uh, you know, I guess how we consider that topic, you know, maybe on, on our personal lives, amongst friends and amongst family and, and the workplace? Or do you do you actually see that, yeah, it's a relatively, I, I use the word taboo, you know, loosely, but it's a relatively unspoken about topic in both environments? Um, I think it's relatively unspoken about in both, but I would say even more so in the workplace. Um, And I think, unfortunately, that it might not help that there's a potentially negative stigma attached to therapy in that people go to therapy when there's something wrong. And actually, um, coaching, on the other hand, seems to be something that people do to go to become a better version of themselves. And therapy is actually exactly the same. Um, But we seem to have a bit of a a dichotomy that's been created between the two types of talking therapy and they're both just ways of working with the professional to help um to help you release your potential yeah no i think you're, i think that's um that's amazingly correct definitely in the uk coaching feels very zeitgeisty you know there's there are a few founders or ceos that, that you don't spend time with who don't talk about the coach that that they have but if if you were to flip that and talk about your, your therapist I think you would get a very different reaction. And that is quite sad. Yeah, and doesn't need to be the case, you know, and shouldn't be the case. Um, but it's really a question of language. You know, we use one word for one type of person and one word for another. Um, but actually, I mean, what they're delivering is is talking. You know, you're talking about yourself. You're focusing on your life. That's a really valuable experience for anybody, whether it's work or life. Um, but therapy just goes, it goes to a greater depth, I suppose. And the practitioners that you work with are generally speaking more qualified, um, and just have a greater level of understanding as to what might be holding you back. And, and so I, I, I guess, you know, as you look at those two different, two different types of, of, of solving a challenge by talking to someone, I guess, if you view it in its most simplest form, you know what is it what is it about therapy that makes you so passionate about that as being the route to unlock change develop people and ultimately help businesses because i know that's that's you know that's what you're all all about at the end of the day yeah absolutely and it's and it's helping businesses through helping their people you know through um developing their people um and that you know in that respect life and work are completely interconnected you really can't separate them out, you know, and if you're, if you're struggling in life, you'll be struggling in work and vice versa because you're at the centre of it and it's about, um, you know, those, those ingrained habits in you that, um, that we need to, all of us, you know, face and tackle in order to just release that bit more of ourselves. Um, and it's a really positive process. Uh, I think it's something that can benefit everyone in a business at every level. Definitely worth the investment. And, and I guess proving that investment can be quite difficult. So, you know, we we call ourselves the Culture Ops podcast and we define Culture Ops as being the practical, operational, um, functional pillars 
of building culture, right? And we see that as three things. We see that as people, policies, and process. And right now you're talking about supporting your people, building your people to deliver business value. Ultimately, building culture um, does deliver business value. But, you know, if you look at the last 10, 20 years, you look at the last five years, even if you look at the last couple of years, if if I walked into um, a board meeting and said, you know, I want to invest this much money in paying for therapy for everyone, or I want to invest this much money in, in improving and developing our culture, I would feel, and, I, and I'm and I'm interested to see what you think about this. I would feel, I feel a bit vulnerable. I feel like maybe someone was going to challenge me, or maybe I was going to get a difficult question. Not because I don't believe in it, but because potentially the status quo doesn't see time and money invested in those areas as being a way to build a brilliant business. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think you are right, but I do think that's changing. Um, and research done such as by Deloitte this year, they released a report in January on um, the case for investment in um, by employers in mental health. It's a really good read if you haven't read it. Um, and that makes the case beautifully for the cost attached to not addressing mental health issues, but also the lost opportunity that goes with that in not developing people um, and the hidden cost of things like presenteeism that's quite hard to measure. Um, you know, and then the knock-on effect to lack of um, productivity and innovation is even bigger. So it's starting to be it's starting to be looked at, and there's there's certainly evidence out there now. So the climate's definitely changing. Um, but what, what I would say is, I mean, there's money attached to everything, of course. But there is also, with the right um, advice, there are things that a business can do at no cost that will help to change its culture. Um, but they just need to get interested in the subject and start reading and talking to people, and they'll realise that there are things they can do in the way they work, the way they run their teams, the way they manage themselves. Um, that all goes to creating a culture. And I think therapy is a big part of that because it gives an individual one-on-one space to focus on themselves and their own development, which is invaluable. And it's the sort of conversation you can't get with anybody and you certainly can't get it at the water cooler. Um, But there's two sides to that equation and any business can just start taking an interest and and listening to this culture piece and what it can do for them. Yeah, and I, and, and I... I think the same is true of, of the emotional well-being of your team and the, and, the, and, the, and the mental health of your team, you know. And, and up at the top of the episode, I kind of shared a bit of my own personal journey with journey into therapy. And I think one of the most profound things that I've done to get us all talking more about our own mental health within our business is me talking about mine and being... Um, being open to the fact that I'm a human and am imperfect and have days when I feel really, really good. And then I have days where I feel super anxious and, you know, that is, that is normal. And so, you know, playing the kind of the the CEO role or the leader role that we sometimes get trapped in actually can be really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of what we advocate is breaking down that hierarchy, actually, and breaking down those divides in in yeah strict hierarchy, which actually creates a, a deep degree of inequality in a business. When you think about what you're saying to people about hierarchy is actually some are more important than others, and some people should be making, be making decisions and others shouldn't. Mm. Um, and when you when you think about that on human terms, it just sounds really wrong. And yet that's how we run our companies. Yeah. Um, but yeah there's a lot you can do by leading by example like you say Um, just being open about your own um, 
your own mental state, your own mindset um, is really empowering to others to follow that example. Um, you know, we have like a company score that we give uh, each month on how we think the month's been in our business. But then coupled with that, you know, I always give my kind of personal score and say, you know what, this is going on for me a bit as well. And I don't request or ask anyone to share, but you have permission to do so if you want. Um, we recognise there's more to you than just, you know, your input is in, in the job. I'm interested. Do you ever get pushback from people in the team or maybe people you... Um, you've hired and they didn't necessarily realize that was the culture they were they were coming into because i you know speaking frankly i would say that it requires a certain type of individual to feel oh you know on both sides a certain type of individual to create that culture that requires a lot of nurturing but also it requires a certain type of person that feels capable and comfortable in an environment like that yeah for sure and i think you're absolutely a right to flag that we need to recognize those differences and that's why I say no one's ever required to share. Absolutely not. And and you only w- would ever, um, well, I would hope any, someone would only share if they feel comfortable sharing. Um, but that doesn't mean to say the permission's not there to do so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got people in our team who will never want to talk with people at work about anything to do with their personal life. And that is um, completely fine. And, and we respect that. So we think... And, and and you would advocate for and and you and I are experiencing I guess firsthand that how we consider the role of therapy within the workplace is changing. People are becoming more aware of it. We've still got a long way to go. Um, you know, we still have uh, a long way to go until you know we're mimicking what we see what we see in America. But there are positive signs. And you know, just before we started recording, we were, we were talking about how. You know, there have been many very troubling and, um, you know, disastrous things that have come out of this COVID-19 crisis. However, you know, politicians, people in, in positions of responsibility have been standing up every day and talking and saying the words mental health. And so it's, you know, it has brought some of these things um, to the fore. And I'm sure coming out the back of this, we're going to see a heightened uh, demand and, well, we're going to see a heightened demand from team members this, that this is something that they want support on, but also a heightened prioritisation from companies. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's something we're seeing already. Um, yeah, demand's increased, use has increased, um, business are li- businesses are listening, which is amazing. And that's a, a really positive um, development to come out of the crisis. Yeah, like you say, to hear the Prime Minister, um, you know, using the words mental health virtually daily on, on a national update is actually incredible. And I think that will help to, um, yeah, really shift the, the dial in a positive direction. So, you know, you and I are both aligned, but I'm sure there are people listening to this and I'm sure there are people out there within, you know, our communities that are thinking as a small business owner, they've got a lot on their plate. Times are tough. Things are difficult. They've got a lot of fires they need to put out. You know, you and I both run small businesses. And so we can, we can understand that feeling. How much responsibility should they put on themselves to, um, to consider remedies such as what you guys do in being able to better support their team? 
yeah, I mean, responsibility is a big word in that, isn't it? And that's something that um, the leadership does bear, unfortunately, it's, it, and it's a big burden. So I'd probably say first, get yourself some support. You know, if you're a leader and you haven't had therapy or coaching, at least, um, I think it'd be a great idea to consider that. Because, um, you know, maintaining that balance, you know, it's often bearing a weight of responsibility and having to support others is, is trying. It's a difficult role. So I think it's really key that, um, yeah, if, if, if those leaders get support themselves, A, they'll realise the value firsthand um, and then they're in a better and stronger position to be able to, sort, to support others. Your own, your own, I guess, journey into um, um, having therapy, training, training to be a therapist, what's the, what's the most defining thing that you've learned um, as a person having having gone through that that you think should inspire others to to do the same to look after themselves to to make sure they're investing in themselves so that they can better support others oh god that's a hard question um the, the most powerful thing i've learned through that whole journey is probably the power of self-awareness that's the heart of it and once you start to develop that um, yeah, a whole new world opens up, really. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think I think I agree. I, I often talk to my therapist about the fact that I feel like, and I'd be interested in your take on this. I don't, I don't feel like therapy has a destination. It, to me, it feels like a journey where I'm constantly peeling back these layers and just discovering things and ideas and observing things about myself and observing things about the way I interact with others and how I respond to certain scenarios. There are no answers. There are no, there are no uh, hidden ideas that suddenly unlock something and you're like, cool, well, well that's, that's, that's life sorted now. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. But it's the, it's the, it's the constant, it's the constant, understanding and tinkering and playing with these concepts that I find so rewarding because as you do that, you just learn so much about yourself and I think particularly how you interact with other people and those around you. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's, it's the power of learning, isn't it? And you never stop. And I think, I think that's right. The more you search for these answers and you realize perhaps there aren't concrete answers to some things. Um, but the joy is in the learning uh, and you just, I think you become more and more present and you enjoy that journey more and more. Yeah, um, I think yeah. Right. And then and I think it helps you to then, um, you know, really step into other people's shoes and think what might be going on for them. And that happens, you know, then in every conversation in the workplace, you can, you can slightly flip it and think, well, what's going on for them in their position? You know, imagine I was a junior again and what would I be experiencing in this situation? Um, and once you can regulate yourself and step outside of your own head a bit and your own own mm. ego a bit, that just becomes easier and easier. I think. Yeah, I think I think all right. Which, you know, for anyone in a um, position of responsibility, I think you know, and it's worth caveating and saying that that is everyone in an organisation, right? Like, we all have responsibility. It is not just if you have a you know, depending on your hierarchy and how your organization is set up and structured, some may have more than others, but we all have some responsibility. We all have responsibility um, that we, we must bear. Um, so 
you know there is a uh, there is a pressure on those in positions where they're responsible for other other people you know to consider these ideas and perhaps a good place to start as you said is is with yourself i really like that i really love that as as good advice one of the questions that we get a lot is where is the line that we as a business play between signposting to a menu where people can look for lots of different remedies and therapies for the challenges that they are um, going through versus being very prescriptive as a business in terms of saying, you know, this is what we offer. This is, you know, there are some businesses, for example, that, you know, they bring in a coach once a week, people can sit down with them. They, they might, they might pay for therapy sessions with a therapist. Where do you stand on that? How prescriptive should we be and how, or, 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 or how much leniency should we be in terms of offering signposting versus, um, you know, very particular remedies? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think the reality is a lot of that will come down to the level of investment that you're willing to put behind your strategy. Um, and then how you're going to divide that between the various options that are available. And there are billions available. Everybody's offering some mindfulness class or yoga or therapy or something. Um, but I think that there's, I mean, I, I personally think there's a special place for one-on-one individual time, whether that's coaching or therapy, when we're, when where you see the line between the two. Um, and what's key to that, uh, the success of that, is actually giving leniency or giving um, freedom for the person to choose their own practitioner. It's really important. Um, it's been shown that something around like 70% of the success of, of therapy is about that relationship between the client and the therapist. So, you know, chemistry matters. Um, mm-hmm. And bringing in one person to try and fit all um, won't necessarily work. Um, it's better than nothing, for sure, but there is a lot of power in um putting the person in charge of their own life so letting them choose their own practitioner or their own method and when and how they work so yeah ideally offering some options at least from one-to-one to to group to reading and you know very private um, methods of reflection and development I think is a really good thing that's what we try and do at the circle line is is mix it up between yeah one-on-one group and um, private reading and resource yeah I think that makes a lot of sense right because um, I am sure that different people are going to respond differently to different um, types of activity. Yeah, of course. We're all different and, and you know, we relate in different ways and at different times. Um, and I think some people will be yeah really open to a, a group workshop and they'll get stuck in and they'll test all the ideas on each other. And for someone else, that's their idea of hell. <laughs> um, so to make them take part as a, a prerequisite to developing in your organisation, I think, can be problematic. Um but having it there consistently as an option is very encouraging, you know, and if everybody else is doing it and this climate develops um, of talking about it, enjoying it and applying it, um, you know, we, we hope that it will rub off on, on everybody. So then an element mm. of openness and freedom develops. What do you think the biggest impact on the culture that you have internally at the Circle Line has been from, um, you know, the core business that you have? Because obviously therapy, mental health, emotional well-being is at the centre of everything that you do and you believe that that is a a core fundamental in supporting and developing people and therefore um, producing the kind of business results and the the business benefits that come from it. 
you know, what are the, what are the differences you, you've, you've worked in many places before you founded this business? You know, what are the observations that you have on your culture because of all of that that it has at the heart of it? Oh, God, so many. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we if, talking about us for a moment, you know, we have no hierarchy for a start. Um, we, I say that, calling myself founder, which is problematic in itself, which I recognise and don't know how to deal with it. But, you know, we don't have titles and layers. I mean, we're a tiny organisation, so that's easy. But I really um, intend to continue that. So there's no sense of somebody knowing better than anybody else. We work on an advice process where, if you, you know, everyone can make a decision. Um, however old or young or experienced or inexperienced you are, you are allowed and empowered to make a decision. Um, you just need to seek advice of people who will be impacted by your decision. Um, I mean, it costs nothing to run a company in that way. Um, we have no rules as well, so we have no set working hours. I mean, we have agreements about not, um, you know, tapping each other up at midnight because that's just <laughs> that's just disrespectful. But um, if you want to work on a Saturday instead of a Monday or if you want to work an evening instead of a morning, that's totally cool. Um, we have no holiday requirements, no no strict limits. People take what time they need. And I think when you give people that kind of latitude and freedom, they they really respect it. They appreciate it and respect it, and it, it, it works. And do you think that, do you think those processes and policy, do you think that is a direct result from, I guess, being so passionate about how you consider people's mental health and their emotional well-being yeah I actually do I think it's a direct <laughs> I'd even go far as far as to say it's a direct result of um going through a therapeutic process so whatever that is for you um I think it's very hard to let go of control in that way as much as you can and I still struggle with it daily but I constantly remind myself of this philosophy and try and live it it's really hard to do if you haven't thought about why and how you want to live and um you know try to tame that ego and yet you know we're all fallible humans and so we're going to make mistakes and ego is going to come out and there are no you know I guess if there's one if there's one takeaway I have from you know 10 years of, of running businesses it's that there's no there's no perfect way to do anything right and so there are there are flaws in all in all the different systems and all different and all the different ways and all we can do is strive for something that is good and better and that works, um, but it's never going to be perfect. Completely, and because we're not, <laughs> um, <laughs> which you know, and, and that goes for for leaders too. You know, if, if your big decisions are reserved for the people at the top, they of course are going to make mistakes just like everybody else. Um, and it's allowing for that, isn't it? And accepting that, encouraging it, and learning from it. I think that's the key. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're you're so right. So we. You know, we've we've talked about the argument for why it's important. We you know, we've, and we've talked about that there is a there's a clear way to demonstrate and to show that by looking after and supporting your team in these areas in these ways, it will drive um, business benefits. And you know, maybe as you suggested, the place for someone listening to this, wondering what, what the role that therapy might play within their organization is to go and explore um, it for them themselves. <sighs> or perhaps try it in a structured way to begin with. You know, I kind of wonder why before we promote somebody to a management position, you know, they don't go 
through six months of therapy, say, is one idea, or some kind of development program. You know, often they'll be training about how to manage people, but what about some kind of deeper, um, you know, reflection into who they are and how they work and how they relate to people? How many people do that? don't know. Maybe more than I think, but it seems to me quite rare in the businesses that I've worked, worked in. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And so I guess my argument to you would be, maybe step number one is to get more businesses talking about therapy and exploring it as an, as an idea. And if by talking about it and it not being something that we put in a box and we kind of treat as this, you're seeing a therapist, that means you've got a problem, but as a, you know, this is, this, that's an amazing journey that you're going to go on and you're going to discover so many things about yourself as a really valuable thing. What, where I kind of want to summarize and where I want to kind of leave the listeners with is, you know, what are the actions? What are the, what's the advice that you would give to someone else in your position, someone else in a business that's responsible for a team of people to get those people, to get that organization talking more about therapy and the role that it can play? Start offering it. (laughs) Um, Put it up there as a benefit. And, and make it visible and um, I mean I wouldn't talk about therapy itself continually because I think that's kind of um, sort of flogging a one solution um, option which is not necessarily helpful because not everyone's going to want to do it right then it just needs to be there as a really acceptable accessible option for whenever they want it or need it um, but certainly to start talking about development in a wider sense you know, in, in how do you work with your team? You know, what kind of personality are you? How do you relate? What's your communication style? You know, do, do people in teams even know this about themselves or each other? And that kind of conversation actually starts to bring psychology right into the heart of the workplace itself regularly. Um, and those are conversations that we don't often have with each other. How long have you been seeing a therapist? Oh, I think it's three years. And and if you could go back, would you have done it earlier? Uh, good question. I don't think I was ready to do it earlier. I think you kind of come to it when you're ready to do it. Um, and I, actually, I, I mean, I did do it in my twenties. I did it a couple of times, so I did come to it earlier, but for different reasons. And I've sort of picked it up and um, done it when I've needed it through my life. Um, yeah, the the latest. Uh, the latest experience, I guess, was the most powerful because I was really ready to to look at some stuff and to learn more about me and my relationships. Um, and that's been a really powerful, transformative journey. And if... Um, I'm sure there are people listening who have thought about it, considered it, but have told themselves... They've given themselves some excuses of, as to why maybe it's not for them or they don't need it. What do you... You know, what... From your experience, what do you think those excuses normally are? I think they're usually very valid ones. I think you need to respect where people are at. Um, and there's no such thing as an excuse. It's a valid reason why they don't want to go there for whatever that reason is. And, that, and that's totally cool. Um, I think if there's any interest in reflecting a bit on, on your life, I'd probably just say start reading, start talking to other people, go online, watch some videos, see where it leads you. Um, you know at some point it might lead you to a coach or a therapist and it might not and that's fine or you know it might do much later but but I think um yeah I'd really encourage that that uh 
some reflection, I suppose. I found it really valuable when I started to, to reflect and learn uh, about myself and my life. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, a very, um, it's a very holistic process, I think, um, that when you do start to, to learn, I think it just becomes more and more interesting and less and less frightening because I think there's quite a lot of fear involved at the beginning. And you start to think, oh, maybe I'll uncover something I don't like about myself or my past or whatever, you know. And that is that that is there. And that fear remains, doesn't it? It's a bit of a fear of the unknown, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more you do and the more you learn, certainly the more curious I've become, rather than rather than less. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's just such a beautiful way to, to kind of sum it up, right? It's about going on that journey of reflection, building up that that self that self awareness. And flipping that fear of what lies beneath to a curiosity of um, how we feel about things, what we think about things. And so, you know, I know you advocate it, advocate for it, and I absolutely do as well. So if you're listening, if you're listening and you're wondering, if, is this something you want to go and explore? I absolutely, um, I absolutely would suggest go explore, go learn go listen, go talk to people. And, and with that, we'll wrap up today's episode. Um, I've got to say a big thank you uh, to Pip for joining us today and also um, for talking and sharing on what is a, um, often a difficult, a difficult topic. So I really appreciate your kind of honesty and openness today, Pip. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Um, And as ever, I've got to thank uh, Mel, our amazing producer, sitting behind the virtual glass, making sure that we keep putting out episodes every week. To all of you listening along at home, we really appreciate all of your support. Please do um, keep sharing the podcast with other people. Please subscribe. And remember, if you'd like us uh, to discuss something that's been on your mind recently that relates to culture, please drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter. And we're at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gailey, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>